Welcome to the Secrets of Confident Women podcast, where you'll learn all the best tips, tricks, and practical techniques for building the confidence levels you've always wanted. With inspiring interviews, real-life examples, and game-changing insights, this podcast is for women who know that mastering the skill of confidence is one of the most important things they'll ever do. Hello everyone, this is Jodie and welcome to this week's episode. Today we are talking about taking the next step in our careers and this is something that I work with many of my clients on and you know what, that I discuss with many of my girlfriends because sometimes we as women have so many considerations to think about when we consider moving up the corporate ladder or transitioning into a different opportunity. Usually, how will it affect the family, our commitments and our work-life balance? So I'm excited about today's conversation because we have executive career coach Randy Roberts to talk with us. Randy is all about helping professionals become re-energized by their work and attaining career fulfillment without compromising what matters most. Randy helps her clients unlock their highest potential and provide them with the tools to get there. Randy has earned an MBA from Wharton School of Business, a Bachelor of Arts in Sociology from San Diego State University, and is an accredited coach. She's also the host of Fulfilling Career, Happy Life podcast, and is here today to talk to us about being in the driver's seat of our careers. So Randy, welcome to the Secrets of Confident Women podcast. Thanks, Jodi. I'm really glad to be here. And as we're talking about before we started, this is such an amazing, incredible topic and it's something that confidence really has an impact on, whether we're climbing the corporate ladder, whether our careers merge into different roles, whether we're asked to take on more leadership, then confidence in our careers really becomes highlighted and it becomes a real issue for women. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that's interesting is, you know, as we're approaching new opportunities or say the leadership of your company wants you to take on something more. I think sometimes the first thought could be, I'm not sure I can do that. Yes. I had a conversation with a client just today where she was saying she, she wasn't sure she could do that. Well, I know she can do that. Of course. And you know, yeah, we worked through it, but I think the thing is to tease out, do you want it? Yes. And do you think you can do it? It's two different things. And if you want it, man, go for it. Absolutely. Don't get in your own way. That's right. Exactly. So we got a lot of questions and a lot of, we're going to get a lot of tips from you today, but tell us a little bit about yourself and your business. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm one of those lucky people that am now in a second career that's as fulfilling for me as my first was. I was 30 years in the pharmaceutical industry and had executive positions there and loved it, loved it until all of a sudden I didn't and it just didn't fit anymore. And so now I run my own coaching business and I work with people that are in similar positions to what I used to be, where I used to be. And the type of work that I do is either with people that are wanting to take on new levels of responsibility and something may be blocking them, either internal or external. Yep. We deal with that. Or one of my favorite things is to work with people who have just taken on new levels of responsibility to work through some of those doubts, some of those 
oh my gosh, I don't know what to do moment and provide that support. We think we're the only one that ever felt that way. And everyone feels that way. And that's a really pivotal moment to to need some support. So really love that work. Excellent. Excellent. And a few confidence questions because we, we start this way with all our podcast guests because it is the confidence podcast. What does confidence or being a confident woman mean to you? I think it means not letting other people get in our way Mm. because we do that. We give them permission to get in our way. We'll make a place in line for them to get in front of us and what we need. We're so helpful that way. Yes. But I really think that confidence is not letting other people get in the way, not letting other people determine what we want and whether we can get it. Yeah. Excellent. And when are you the most confident version of yourself, Randy? I think there's there's two times. There's like when I'm with my closest friends, you know, the people that know me the best and are equally accepting of who I am and call me on my stuff when <laughs> yes. that's what's needed. So I think those are the moments that, that I'm really confident. And another time that I'm really confident is when I'm with my clients, yeah. when we're sort of in the zone of that work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's great. Excellent. We've got a few conversations today to to talk about this really being in the driver's seat of our own careers and, you know, not letting people get in the way and more importantly, not letting ourselves get in the way of what we're capable of. And I think, you know, as you were saying before, the client that you've been speaking with, you know, she's questioning whether she can take on those new roles. It often really is ourself in our own way that's preventing us being these amazing women that we know we are to be. And usually there's so much evidence in the past (laughs) that we can overcome incredible things. And then sometimes that, well, I've got to present to directors or I've got to speak in front of people at the team meeting becomes such a stumbling block that it really can block that progress and, you know, questioning whether we're capable of, (laughs) but we are, we're so capable. Anyway, we're going to talk about all that. So, Why is it important that women be intentional about being in the driver's seat of their own career and really take that ownership? One of the reasons that that intentionality or, you know, being on purpose with that is so important is because then we're not relying on luck. Yes. Like we have, you know, all these skills and all this experience and to your point, all this evidence of things that we have done and why we can do this. And yet, if we're not really purposeful about bringing all of that to, you know, making our own career decisions and really being in that driver's seat, you're relying on luck. Yes. And so just why not increase your probability of success by keeping it top of mind, by really being clear on what it is you want, what are the steps to get there? I just give yourself the best chance of success. Yeah. And we've got to look out for ourselves because rarely is anyone else looking out for us because generally they've got their own intentions or their own focus. And even if there's great mentors, which, you know, come along and we've got great people really trying to help us progress in our careers in organisations, sometimes they want us to progress in a way that suits their agenda or their team set up or the way their company goals are. It's not necessarily what is the best for our 
personal careers, you know. So we've got to keep an eye on that ourselves, don't we, to really make sure that we're headed in the right direction and that our commitments are in line with what we want out of life. I think what you're saying is so important, Jody, because others do have their own agenda. And it may be a good thing for us too. Somebody else, a mentor may have an idea of what would be a good next step for you. And it may be a good next step for you, but it's not necessarily your own thought. And it might be in their advantage. It may be yes. getting you in their organization, that That's kind right. of a thing. So I think getting clear on what it is we want and being willing to go for it is really, really important. And I also think something you mentioned before is really important, which is we may be thinking about what's the impact on our family? What's the impact on our work-life balance? Other stakeholders, if you will. Yes. And it's really easy to get distracted by that. And it's an important consideration. Yeah. But what we want is important too. Yeah, absolutely. So what are the ways that we can actually get into the driver's seat of our own career and really drive it in the direction we want? How do we do that? I think it starts with some inner work and really understanding what's important for us now. What do we want at this point in our lives? And those things change. Like some of our career goals might be long. You might work towards something for 10 years. And by the time you get eight years into that, you're different. Your life situation is different. The position you're going for may be different. Yeah. And it's okay to change your plan. Yes. It's okay to potentially want something different. So by sort of checking in with yourself on what's important to you at this point in your life and your career, you can make sure you're working towards the right thing. Mm. I think that's really important is knowing what's important for you at that point in your life. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I loved your podcast episode on why we are so bad at blowing our own horn. <laughs> so bad. It's so bad, which we obviously discussed how women can be more visible and influential in their roles and learn to advocate for themselves and their ideas. This is so constant. And, you know, I really find this a lot amongst women. So why are we as women often so bad at doing this? And what are some of the best ways to increase our voice at work? Why don't we want to blow our own horn, Randy? <laughs> That's exactly it. We are taught not to blow our own horns. We're taught that it's boastful. We should be humble, do good work, and it will get recognized. And sometimes it does, but that's not enough. We yeah. need to get comfortable advocating for ourselves. And there are a couple of tricks you can use to start to build that muscle of getting comfortable advocating for yourself. And some of the things that I work with my clients on is pretend you're talking about somebody else that you really like, that you really respect, that you really believe in. It's sad in a way that we have to rely on these tricks, but they can work. If you think about somebody else up here that you really believe in and pretend you're talking about them and right. their work, yeah. you wouldn't hesitate to blow their horn. That's right. So you can kind of start to work on developing that skill in that way. And another trick that, I don't know, feels wrong, but sometimes works <laughs> is how would a man approach this? Yes. Like, Pretend you're a man yeah. approaching this situation. Men men tend to be much better at this. Think about a job posting and all of the qualifications and experience they say you need to have to post for the job. And women will look at it and go, oh, I only have 99% of that. Yeah. I'm not ready. <laughs> I 
Whereas a man might go, I got 40% of yeah. that. Heck yeah, I'm going to post for that job. That's right. So put on a man's shoes and try and approach it the way they would. And in that way, don't hold yourself back. Yeah, because often we're competing as such for new roles against men who, you know, they're going for it with possibly less qualifications or less intent, yeah. you know, than what you have. And, you know, the studies, we've we've talked about it before on this podcast with some career advisors and things like that we've had on that said, actually, the organisation probably doesn't want you to tick 99% of the requirements there because then you're probably not going to be in the position very long because <laughs> if you tick all the boxes, then they probably understand that they're only going to have you for a short amount of time before it's time for you to move on. So, you know, you got to sometimes have a look at that and realise that you got to just go for it. Possibly where you think your ability's at is less than where they're at. They're probably further ahead because we are yes. so critical and we, we're often looking at what we don't have rather than what we do have. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And what I say is, this is not about, oh yeah, I've done this. Oh yeah, I've yeah. got that experience. No. Like don't pretend you have something that you don't, no. but have a plan for how you're going to grow into that, for how you're going to learn what you need to learn, for how you're going to compensate. I can remember a time when I was leading a new area and there was a specific function that reported into me. I knew I needed somebody in that role that knew more about it than I did. Of course. And I intentionally hired to that profile. Absolutely. And I was totally fine with it. So I yeah. had a plan for how I was going to fill that gap. Yeah. And in that way, I was showing a lot of confidence and how that wasn't going to get in my way. Yeah, absolutely. And especially in those leadership roles, you're not supposed to know how to do everything Leadership is leading a group of people who are sometimes better experts at it than you are. Yeah. But you're leading them all to a common goal, right? Exactly. When I went to business school, my area of emphasis was general management. Well, what the heck does that mean? Yeah. That means no <laughs> enough about every function to be able to lead it, but that doesn't mean I have to be the subject matter expert. No, exactly. So it's a matter of sort of channeling that confidence and having a plan for how you're going to grow into those areas and learn that. And that's, you know, to your point, if you can check all those boxes, you're going to be bored pretty quickly. So just have a plan for how you're going to grow into it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's also about understanding that that critical element of ourselves that we, we're often looking at what we don't have. And I find with my clients, they often downplay their ideas. So, you know, I, a lot of my clients are like, oh, they want me to share more at the team meeting. They want to hear more. And I don't want to share it because what if it's wrong? And it's like, but who told you it's wrong? You don't even know it's wrong because you haven't given it a go. You're not putting it forward. And then, you know, we often talk about, you know, if one of your colleagues shared an idea and it wasn't quite, would you be critical of them? And they're like, no, no, I'd be proud of them for sharing something. And it's like, but that works the same for you. So I think sometimes we're so in our own head and concerned about, oh my God, if I share this idea, what if it's wrong or what if it's up? But often, you know, in leadership, it's those ideas which spark something amazing, which sparks something new, which spark a new way of thinking about a problem or a challenge that the organisation might be going through. That's why they want you to share your ideas, right? Yeah, exactly. In fact, it's just what I was going to say was sometimes the idea that 
isn't 100% on leads to the one that is. And then you're making it okay for everyone else to not be perfect. Exactly. And to share those ideas. In that way, you're bringing out the best thinking in the group. Of course. So yeah, go for it. Yeah. And you know what? So what if you're wrong? So exactly. What? Yeah. <laughs> I was in an organization many years ago, which actually really promoted this. And it used to be the bane of my colleague's life because she didn't want to speak up. But when we had, you know, roundtables and and meetings and things like that, everyone had to speak. And that's sometimes upsetting for people, but it became that that was the agenda. And so she prepared her ideas and got into the mode of sharing. But what they wanted is they just didn't want to hear the loudest people in the room or the people that always share. They wanted to hear from maybe someone who was more introvert that wasn't confident speaking up because they had great ideas, but the people who always speak up or, you know, the louder people in the room always got the floor and always got their ideas shared. So it was a great way to really ensure that the even the quieter, more reserved employees still got, we still got to hear what they had to say about it. And that was really encouraging to make sure that everyone gets a turn. Well, I think what you're saying is super important. And, you know, my clients are working towards their own goals and dealing with their own challenges, but they're also leaders in organizations. And so you have to think about the environment you're creating for your own team and making it okay for everyone to to speak up. And look, you and I have both experienced, sometimes the loudest voice in the room is the one you want most to quiet. Yes. <laughs> because they're not always right. No. They're just taking up oxygen. That's right. That's right. Exactly. So that's why you want a created environment that everyone gets their voice heard. So, yeah. so what do you think that women miss most when making career decisions? I think sometimes what we miss is like giving ourselves permission to think about what we really want and what's going to make us really happy. And just recognizing that we can do more than we think. Absolutely. We're just so critical of ourselves. And as I said before, we're focused on what we don't have and we don't often see what we do have. And that's where that mentorship often comes in because people outside of us can really see what we bring to the table and and where our skills lie and those sort of things. Because sometimes we need reminding of that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think sometimes the way women approach things, just our use of language, you know, think about it. What we would say if someone in a meeting were especially if you're doing meetings virtually, there's technical glitches and all kinds of things. Maybe you didn't hear what someone said. A woman might say something like, I'm sorry. What did you say? Why is she sorry? She didn't hear what they said. (laughs) A man would never start that sentence with, I'm sorry. Yes. So, you know, it's in those subtle ways of being polite and being nice and being humble that we get in our own way. Yeah. And it's possible to avoid that kind of language and still be a polite person. Yes. And still be a kind person. We just don't have to be sorry for things yeah. we're not sorry for. It's just automated responses that we need to work on to change. You know, I work with clients about saying no. And, you know, I'm sure you've done that as well because it's like in the no, how do I say no? But we start with saying no in a whole lot of other ways. <laughs> 
they're so uncomfortable with just saying, no, thank you, right? But it's the right. practice of doing that and using different language because you don't want to say yes and get involved in stuff that you don't want to be doing. You need to have right. ways to say no, even if it's not the word no, right? Right. And it's interesting what you just said, no, thank you. Yeah. That's very polite. <laughs> Our mothers would be okay with that. But I heard something the other day that I thought was brilliant and I really loved, which is no is a complete sentence. Yes, that's right. It's the end of the story. You don't need to necessarily explain. But if you're very uncomfortable going from being a people pleaser, yes person to then saying a flat no is a really big jump. So we've got to practice along the way. <laughs> Absolutely. It is a big jump. And then sometimes what we do is we try and fill in the silence yes. and we sort of undermine whatever it was that we were saying. So I'm not suggesting that we have to be rude, but apologizing up front and phrasing what we have to say, it's like we're playing Jeopardy in a meeting. Yeah. We're phrasing it in the form of a question. Yes. And we take away from our own power by doing that. Your words don't have to go up at the end yeah. to make it a question. Yes, exactly. You know, you can just own what you're saying. Yeah, fabulous. And it is, it's just practice. It really is practice. I said I had a client a couple of years ago and she couldn't say no. And, you know, even when she gets the telecommunication, like the people ringing up on the phone trying to sell us something. And she said, I just don't know how. And I went, oh my goodness, like practice on those people because they're used to hearing a flat no, right? So they're the best, like let them ring your phone and practice saying no, you know, a flat no on the phone to them. But you do need to practice the new words coming out of your mouth to help you get used to having things phrased that way. So yeah. In some cases, you're building a new skill. Absolutely. And most of the time, the first time we do something, we're pretty lousy at it. Yeah. And we get better. Yes, exactly. I'm very good at saying a flat no to anyone turning up at my door trying to sell me anything. It's like, it's a flat no. <laughs> See, I don't even I don't even answer the door. Yeah. So you're, you're you one go. step ahead of me on getting that practice. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, like what one thing could make a difference in people being more fulfilled in their careers? What can we do to have that more fulfilling area? A lot of times what prevents us from being fulfilled is a mismatch of what we're doing and what we're really good at and what really lights us up. We may be doing a job because the company told us that's what you need to do to get to the next job or something like that. Sometimes that's right. But sometimes if you're devoting two years of your life to doing something to check that box, that's two years of your life. Yes. So give yourself permission to match up what lights you up and what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I have a client at the moment and she's fabulous at what she does. I think she's in digital marketing and they're progressing her like the the company's just taking her, you know, leaps and bounds. They wanted to move, you know, here, there and take on all this stuff. Now, she wants to be a fashion designer. <laughs> she's like, her. that's where her passion lies. But she sort of got caught in this world that she's good at. But I don't think it actually fulfills her in actually what she wants to do. So yeah, it's a yeah. real struggle. Sometimes you can get in and get caught in, well, I am good at this, 
but do I actually love it? Does it light me up? Does it make me want to get out of bed? Because as you say, it could be two years of your life. It could be 10 years of your life, Randy. Sometimes it could be more. Like how many hours and days and weeks and months are you going to give to something that you actually don't like doing? Yeah, for sure. And look, let's recognize that's a good problem to have, right? You're really good at something. Okay, that's great. But, you know, what has staying power for you? And the, the way I think about it, the analogy I use is, are you jumping out of bed in the morning before the alarm goes off or are you hitting the snooze button? And I want my clients, I want your listeners to jump out of bed before the alarm goes off every yeah. morning. Yeah. Life is too short. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Now we've finished every episode with our Rise Women Power questions. So and we do a nice little compilation at the end of the year with everyone's sort of answers and things. So are you ready for our power questions, Randy? I am ready. And I will be honored if I'm part of the compilation. Yeah. <laughs> That's my goal here. There you I go. want to make your compilation. You will. You will. What do you wish every woman knew? The people that you're worried about what they think They just don't care as much as you think they care. Yes. Oh, my God. I love that one so much. For sure. They are so concerned about themselves. They really do not care too much about you. (laughs) No. So let's not give them that power. Yeah, exactly. What is your superpower? My personal superpower? Yeah. I am really good at phrasing hard things, delivering hard news, or telling the truth in a way that is constructive and helpful and not hurtful. That's a great superpower. I bet that's called on quite a bit. (laughs) It, It comes in really handy with my clients, both in terms of our coaching sessions, but helping them position some of these things that they deal with. Yeah. Yeah. Fabulous. Uh, Now we've got a whole shoe thing going on. So we do heels and flats, heels or flats. That's where it started, Randy, because we feel, Anastasia and I feel very confident with a great pair of killer heels and other people wear flats. But some of our guests have said, well, they're more comfortable in bare feet and some like riding boots and some like, we had snow boots, we've had Wellington boots, we've had all sorts of different things. So where do you thrive in the shoe department, Randy? Well, the shoe department, for sure, I'm I'm about the flats. Right. But what I would say is wear whatever's not going to distract you. Yeah. If you are awesome in a pair of heels, my God, rock the heels. Yeah. Like, do what feels natural to you. But if you're like, I'm about the flats. If I was in <laughs> heels, all I'd be thinking about is don't fall. Don't trip. <laughs> don't embarrass yourself. And I wouldn't think about what I was saying. So for me, yep, it's flats. Very good. Um, Your favorite quote or a rule that you live by? So my favorite quote, which I believe is by Walt Whitman, but to be honest with you, I got from Ted Lasso. Right. Is (laughs) be curious, not judgmental. Oh, I love that. That's very good. Yeah. Okay. Who inspires you and why? A person that inspires me so much is, is one of my best friends. Her name's Sue. And the thing that I love about her is she has a big job. I mean, she's she's an attorney. She works in a constitutional law center at a major university. Like, she's got an important yeah. job. Yeah. And she is so present in every area of her life. And she is so kind and she is so thoughtful of others. And she does tremendous amount of community service and things like that. She just, wow. I don't know how she does it all. And she's completely inspiring to me. Excellent. 
a true superwoman takes on more than I can ever consider. <laughs> she is. She wears a cape for yeah, sure. For sure. And finish this sentence. If I had even more confidence than I do now, I would. I think I would save time. Oh. Because even the most confident people, sometimes we do confidence is like a roller coaster, right? It yes. goes up and it goes down and hopefully it goes back up. Yeah. And so in the moments when you're down, even I, who I think are pretty good on the confidence scale, yeah. there are moments when I get in my own way and yeah. I have to do the work to get out of my own way. So I just think yeah. if I didn't have those dips, I would save time. Yeah. Oh, that's a good answer. I love it. Just getting on with it and just trying to get the roller coaster going back up quicker than usual. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Randy, for joining us. There's been some great tips. And as we've sort of said, I think so many times women come to these stop points in our career where we need to just rethink something or, or take a new direction or learn a new skill, whether it be getting out of our own way, whether it be a bit more confidence, whether it be speaking up, whether it be using our voice, whether it be saying no. Sometimes we need some more skills to add to our skill set to help us take on that next role or advance our career or just have a career that, that's fulfilling. So thank you for sharing your insights today and, and being on the podcast. It's been my pleasure. Thanks again for inviting me. You are welcome. And thank you to everyone for listening today. And remember, there are so many ways that we can help you become the confident woman you've always wanted to be. So please get in touch or visit us at risewomen.com. We want to ensure that confidence is every woman's new normal. And we do that by getting our programs and resources out to as many women as possible. So until next time, remember, with confidence, anything is possible. Bye for now.